Hello, and welcome to Ruth Bear's Witness, the podcast, where you can listen to the stories I've written in my blog posts. Thank you for joining me today for my blog post entitled Dominant Culture Supremacy, The Cancer Destroying White Churches. It's part of my series entitled Confessions of a Recovering White Supremacist. It's a navy blue night. I think I'm in a park. I see huge buzzing stadium lights blurring in the distance. I can feel their vibration and watch the moths flitting in these lighted pools high above the ground. Then I hear a phone ring, like in an old phone booth. I walk over to pick up the receiver and I hear a man over the phone call my name just one time. For some reason, I can see him too. I don't really get it, but anything can happen in a dream. So I see him hunched over the phone as he cries, cupping his forehead in his free hand. I continue to hold the phone to my ear and stare at him, not knowing what to do. And then I realize he's the pastor of a church I used to go to. He and his wife are beloved friends, though we don't get to chat very often anymore. These two had walked through some difficult, very spiritually ugly moments with my family a long time ago. So I ask him, what's wrong? How can I help you while you're grieving so deeply? And when he doesn't answer after quite some time, I become exasperated and visibly annoyed. And then he looks up into my eyes and he says, look. And then he indicates I should turn to see something. I look in the direction he points toward and I find a woman standing there in the bright moonlight holding a phone. She's naked and I can clearly see her breasts are all bruised up. It's clear the dark haired woman had breast cancer from the telltale mastectomy scars I know all too well. Perhaps it's returned to her body? I really can't tell. The woman is very battered and exhausted, her body wasting. I don't know who she is while I'm in the dream, but I assume she's my friend, this man's wife. So the day after I have this dream, I make sure to text her and I let her know I had a dream about her family. I reveal nothing about this dream at all and that I'm thinking about her and praying for her. A week later, I find myself talking to her over the phone. It's so awesome to hear her voice again. She's a fellow breast cancer survivor. And here's what she tells me in a nutshell. The day I texted her, she was in the hospital prepping for a second reconstructive surgery, 17 years after her initial mastectomy. As they were prepping her for this major surgery, someone in the medical staff realized that there had not been nearly enough time for her to undergo such a massive surgery so close on the heels of the COVID infection she'd just had a few weeks prior. So they abruptly stop everything and refuse to perform surgery that day and make her wait for two more weeks. As the day of her rescheduled surgery approached, she contacted me and told me her story. And as she was speaking to me, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and I begin to cry. I'm so overwhelmed at the clarity I now have about this last dream. 
The man who looked like my old pastor and friend, who was silently, earnestly grieving, was Jesus or the Holy Spirit interceding on my dear friend's behalf. I saw it as it was happening. Other than praying when I woke up that next morning, I had nothing to do with it, but I watched the spiritual intervention that stopped a life-threatening situation. What if they had proceeded with the surgery? But God. I also know these two people as a married couple deeply involved in ministry. I couldn't help but see that what I was witnessing signified Jesus and his bruised and battered church. He was grieving over his bride. Her doctrines of idolatry, her attitudes, her silence in the face of oppression and poor treatment of God's beautiful people, they come from a spiritual abuse of dominant culture supremacy, the evil stronghold of white churches that blinds even nice white Christians as their black and Native American and other minority brothers and sisters in Jesus suffer and have done so these past 400 years when they were stolen from their home and forced into slavery and surviving through generations of enforced and condoned brutality. This has never been dealt with properly in our country. The effects continue to linger. It's so hard to see for white churchgoers because this is just how things have always been. Even from before the foundations of our country's very beginning. It's hard to see and grasp, to even write about and pull something tangible from the abstract, smoky-like reality of white supremacy. Those vibrating, blinding lights, the moths you can only see upon closer inspection, the whitewashed walls that cover the decay and muck. All people are perfectly capable of this hateful behavior, myself included. It's a trap that no one is immune to. You can see this phenomenon played out in different ways in other cultures. The dominant culture actively marginalizing the minority cultures within it. It's happening on a larger scale than ever before around the world. For example, in India, the dominant Hindus are violently persecuting Muslims and Christians on a national scale. If this is common in cultures around the world, Christians should take note and be opposed to such preferential treatment within our own culture in the United States. We aren't above this. Unfortunately, the U.S. is leading the charge with such behavior. Mass incarceration of brown bodies, unarmed black men and women shot in their homes and in the streets, inequities in access to health care, banking, everything else. But Christians are supposed to be in the world not of the world, remember? This kind of dominant cultural supremacy is what we as Jesus followers should be careful to be on our guard against, like the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees from Matthew 16, 6. Jesus warned the disciples against the evil teachings that had permeated into their entire belief system, like the yeast that grows throughout the bread dough. Attitudes had attacked themselves and warped the truth of scriptures like growing cancers, hating Samaritans, treating women as possessions, ostracizing the blind, the ill and crippled, the widows. 
following endlessly arbitrary rules of behavior in order to appear holy, except only on the outside. The same evil that prevented the religious elite from recognizing Jesus as the Messiah that all of scripture had pointed to is the very same evil that can blind an entire people group from recognizing and honoring the image of God in another people group. In the context of the United States, for lack of a better term for this cancer, white supremacy will have to do. As I've mentioned before in other podcasts and blog posts, this dominant culture of supremacy and hate is like an umbrella or artificial sky. So the root of all different types of hate in the U.S. that lead to hashtag stop Asian hate or hashtag Black Lives Matter are simply cries against one problem. The glorification of whiteness to the exclusion and disregard of all other races. Not only does supremacy hurt the people the dominant culture ostracizes, they have burned the bridges to honest intimacy with people groups outside of white circles. They can't see the humanity or divinity in the people who don't look, act, behave, speak, dress, or live like they do. And boy, are white Christians missing out on a faith walk with others who enrich and expand the vision of who God is and how he works from a solitary white tunnel. The white church is anemic and craving rich, solid food. She's practically irrelevant to the culture at large. And she has literally dismembered parts of herself by cutting out and cutting off BIPOC, or Black Indigenous People of Color. And the ones who remain in her midst are forced to conform into white culture in order to be accepted into white churches. Their true faith expressions are often strangled. I recently had a friend tell me that I am the first white person who hasn't steamrolled her in every meeting, setting my own agenda, and just expecting her to follow my lead. I'm the first after 20 years of working in this environment. I was appalled and saddened because I know she's not alone in this experience, especially in predominantly white churches. I know it is real because I have been trying to unravel the impact it has had on me. As I continue to unlearn it and discard it from my person, I can see it in the white Christians around me, and because I love white people, I have to call it out. Jesus wants us to get this right, and we only get one lifetime to figure this out before we stand face to face with Jesus for a reckoning for all we have said and done, and all that we should have said and should have done. All the people we ignored or overlooked Did we love all people the way Jesus does? I know I still don't. To read or to listen to more Ruth Bears Witness stories, please visit ruthbearswitness.wordpress.com. Thank you for joining me today. Take care and God bless.